going long. Green throwing the ball. He's got Bowens out there. Bowens scores! 31 yards on a straight fly pattern to Billy Bowens. Well, the Boise State football team resumed their winning ways with a dominant road win in Reno over the weekend. Quarterback Taylor Green was terrific through the air, while George Halani torched Nevada on the ground. Green in front of Halani, and he'll hand the ball straight up the middle. Missed tackles by Nevada. Halani gets to the right side, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20. Cuts back towards the middle, to the 10, to the 5. He's into the end zone. What a run for George Halani. 49 yards. Defensively, the Broncos refound their dominance, allowing just a season-low three points to the Wolfpack. Illingworth back to pass. Illingworth is going to be sacked for the first time tonight. Devin Wright from the backside. DJ Schramm from the left side. Scott Matlock from the front side. And Boise State gets their first sack. Welcome once again into J Sports Bar. I'm your host, Jay Tuss, alongside Shane Williams-Rhodes, a former Boise State great. Uh, what did you make of Nevada's, uh, of the game at Nevada? Uh, were you happy you weren't there at the very least, too? Definitely happy I wasn't there. <laughs> I hate the snow. Uh, I expected Nevada to put up a little bit more of a fight, but our defense got back to its yeah. form. And, you know, with it being a rivalry game, I expected a little bit more. But we looked, you know, we looked like we were exactly who we've been the last six games Played stout on defense, mm -hmm. and we ran the ball well. I gotta say, I'm I'm a little disappointed in you though, Shane. Remember that that hat you wore, your your winter hat. What's that thing even called? We're uh, we're actually getting to the point right now where the weather that hat's coming out here uh, in the yeah. next week or so. I was just so. a little disappointed. I didn't see any any Broncos rocking like a, a rare it'll, it'll a, be a rare like winter cap that you're, just you're gonna see some rare aggressive. towels and some and some rare you know <laughs> coming soon for sure. Um, it was a heck of an experience. We were down on the field before the game just starts hammering the field with snow. Uh, it was like that Wyoming game a few years ago. Heck, even maybe in the 14 Wyoming game yeah. where it kind of starts to snow and it is lightly, and then all of a sudden you look down, the whole field's covered with it. Yep. I remember in that game we got, you know, it was about two minutes left in the game, and the coaches said, if you guys want to leave here tonight and not get snowed in, then we cannot take showers after the game. We got to go straight to the plane <laughs> from the field to the locker room to the plane. No showers. Get straight on the plane. We're leaving. Otherwise, we will not make it out. So we had to get directly on the plane. There was no showers after the game. It was a wild yeah, situation. Sounds sounds like a, uh, a ra rather pungent, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, pungent uh, trip home from from Laramie. I guess that was the good vibes there, though, is that you guys basically knew you were going to go to the Mountain West Conference Championship mm -hmm. game and have a shot at playing in. Um, a, a New Year's Six Bowl game, which wound up being that, the Fiesta Bowl season. Uh, you look at, at this Nevada game, I and mean, we got a lot to talk about. Um, Taylor Green makes his media debut. Uh, it's really been a tale of two offenses, as you were just kind of alluding to, ever since October, or excuse me, September 30th, when there was a change of both quarterback and at, at the offensive coordinator spot. We're going to look at that. Uh, Eric McAllister's impact on this offense, because a lot of people probably don't, didn't know who he was prior to a couple games ago. After that, Boise State dominant defense against light competition and George Halani has a massive decision to make after this season come back to college or stay in the NFL um, we're not I'm not my intention there isn't to spark any type of controversy it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a compliment because he's just been dynamite for this team so far this season um, 
as it comes to the, pertains to this Reno game, though, 41 to three, Boise State, good on both sides of the ball, a pretty complete game effort. It it felt like you know the Colorado State game was was a little more complete in all three phases, but Boise State goes on the road, they get the job done, and now uh, they were already in the driver's seat to, to to represent the Mountain Division in the Mountain West Conference uh, Championship game. They beat beat Wyoming this week. It, it's a lock for them. So. Boise State taking care of business, doing what they needed to do. And I want to start today by talking about Taylor Green once again, because I know that's one of your, your favorite guys to talk about. I was worried. I'm not going to lie. I mean, how many times do you guys play in the snow in Texas? Never. Never. Not, not, not where I'm from. Man. Yeah. No snow. You're and so you can, you, snow. you can tell me, you can, you can make up and tell me, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, we've practiced in the morning on the blue. I'm sorry, that was not a morning practice on the blue type of conditions Saturday in Reno. Agreed. It's so different compared to where, where we are in Texas. I mean, this week in Texas, you have the second round playoffs, and in Texas, you have to win five playoff games before you go to state. Wow. In Idaho, we're playing the state championship game on Friday. And yeah. Saturday. So it's a big difference, you know. The seasons, we're not used to having uh, the snow on the ground this early or at all, so mm -hmm. it's a big it's a big. You know, big difference. So it was interesting to see how well he played. Yeah, just like every other circumstance that's been thrown at him so far this season, though, he, he navigated the conditions and everything else flawlessly. Yep. I think the interesting thing about this game was how aggressive they were throwing downfield. I mean, Talon was 8 of 18 for 190 yards on attempts 10 or more yards downfield. And I know you might say 8 of 18, not the greatest completion percentage there. But, I mean, given the conditions, the wind, the snow, like, you're, you're, I think you're taking that. He only threw three passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I have no mm -hmm. idea the last time there has been that significant of a ratio amongst passes 10 yards downfield or more and within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, that, that's crazy to me. Well, that's the thing. A lot of his passes were past 10 yards, so that means we probably had a lot of explosive mm -hmm. plays to the pass game, which obviously alluded to a lot of points that we scored. So it's kind of a trade-off. You know, you throw a lot of screens and a lot of quick game or, mm -hmm. you know, you lesser completion percentage, but you hit some of those deep balls, which we were definitely getting some of those in. So it was good to see. I just found it super interesting, though, because of the weather. Like, in my mind, I, I think you just think, like, hey, like, more, more stuff behind the line of scrimmage even, like short passes, and that was just... That was, that was like non-existent. They didn't run a single screen, nothing against Nevada. I think Nevada's game plan was to come out and do exactly what you said. You yeah. Know, defend the quick game and stop the run. And so Boise State counter with that. And it's just, you know, obviously it's not a strength throwing the ball that deep down the field, mm -hmm. but they played to what was given. You know, they played the game within the game. You know, we've been doing quick game and, run game and running real heavy. Well, they came out throwing the ball. So you were getting one high safety. And so... You had, you had chances for your guys just to go make yep. plays. And so that's what we talked about a few weeks ago with all the success in the run game, that guys will start coming closer and wheeling them in, and then that'll make it easier for Tudman to throw a ball. Well, now we're starting to see some of that. So now next week coming into the game, Wyoming is going to say, well, we can't just let them just throw it deep. We got to kind of play the game where maybe on first down we're going to bring a little bit of pressure, but on second we'll play a little softer on the mm -hmm. back end. So it's, it's good to see that when we didn't, play as far as you know to what our identity typically is we're yeah. still able to be successful and I guess you, you brought this up uh, just a second ago and, and kind of my point of it I, I think that the players need credit for execution but the coaches need credit for being one step ahead of it right like in, in a game like that typically you think you do come out and, and you might have more of a, of a I don't even know if you say it a quick game but a quick game or a short game mm -hmm. but Boise State was had, had a game plan that was the exact opposite of that but either way earlier this week I wanted to get Andy Avalos' take on, on why they were able to do that, and this is what he had to say. 
each and every week is different, right, Jay? I mean, it, it just depends on what is the structure we're getting from the defense. What are the things? What is their plan? You know, as much as we want this, this, and this to happen, the reality of it is, I mean, you're playing against another team, and you've got to be able to see what their plan is, and um, within our plan, be able to attack. Um, and it, sometimes it's going to call for more run plays. Sometimes it's going to call for more pass plays. And what, what pass plays we're talking about, are they on the perimeter? Are they down the sideline? Are they over the middle of the field? That's, you know, those are the things that obviously you study throughout the course of the week and you put a plan together. But uh, as we all know, you know, our opponents have the, the opportunity throughout the course of the week too to adjust and put, put something together to switch up some of the things that they've done. Coach Avalos saying every game is different. And they, again, they were able to kind of stay one step ahead. And I just don't think Nevada was, was prepared for what, for what the Broncos threw at them on offense. I think it was a combination of the game plan while also the scouting. Mm -hmm. You could tell Nevada's corners weren't as good as some of the corners that we've seen. Yeah. So they probably, we probably came out thinking, well, the corners aren't as good. They're probably going to play run heavy. So let's go out and throw it. And you saw we, we hit it early. And then eventually it took a little bit. But then Halani started breaking some runs, mm -hmm. and, and the first quarter wasn't as successful as the, as the second and third, but he started to kind of get loose because those guys kind of had to start backing off because we kept going over top. So it was really good to see it all come together. And I want to get to George here in a second, but I also want to get your take on something else, and, and that is um, the significance of reducing the amount of negative plays in a game. And, and I think that this is something that when, when there's a bunch of negative plays happening, in, in an offense, it's easy to identify and say, hey, this is the problem. But when they stop happening, sometimes it, we, we fail to identify it, right? And when you look at, like, since Talon has taken over, do you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm asking you this hoping you don't know the answer because I'm, I'm curious just what your, your general thoughts would be. Since Talon has taken over, do you know how many times he's been sacked? He started six. Six games. Games? Yep. I'd say in his six starts, he's been sacked less than four. In his, in his six starts, he's been sacked three times. There you go. This entire season, he has been sacked four times in 171 dropbacks. He's getting sacked once every 42 to 45 dropbacks, somewhere in that range, whether that be uh, the entirety of the season or since he's taken over as a starter. That, that's where your range is, 42 to 45. And previously, you know, when, when, when Hank was the quarterback there, and um, I'm not just bashing him, but, like, it, whether it be the offensive line, the, the play calling, whatever played into this, it was once every 15 or so, 15 to 18 dropbacks that they were, that they were getting sacked. I mean, that, that is a massive swing. Sacks are drive killers. And, and as we're going to find out later, I think that a guy like George Halani is benefiting from it greatly mm -hmm. because all of a sudden now you're in all these, like, more run-favorable situations instead of trying to, you know, just drop bombs out of, you know, second and 13 or third and eight or whatever it is because he got sacked at some point in time in that series. I mean, we've talked about it a ton, and this was always my thing with, uh, you know, back in October of 2021 when mm -hmm. I said, let's throw Taylor in there. Yep. His athleticism adds, you know, another dynamic to the game mm -hmm. where we were taking a lot of sacks between October of 2021 and September of 2022. It is what it is. We like, took a it, lot it, of sacks. It's not even a matter of opinion there, Shane. Mm -hmm. Like, if you go look up at the numbers, whoever you want to criticize, whatever you want to say, whatever conclusion you want to come up with, the numbers say that, that they were getting sacked about at, at a rate about three times what they're getting sacked at now. And I think this is the biggest thing where I don't think people actually see it. So you talked about negative plays. So, Taylor, did you say he went 8 for 18? 
Uh, eight for 18 on throws. He was he was 11 of 22 overall in the game. Out of 11 of 22. So, and if you look back at the game, you know, guys, I watched the game two or three times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when Taylor scrambles, there was, I want to say, four or five. I want to say it was five. So out of those 10 incomplete passes he had, or I think, yeah, 10 incomplete passes, five of them, he was throwing the ball away. Yeah. He was rolling out of the pocket. He didn't like what he saw. Mm -hmm. He didn't force anything. He just threw it away. So it wasn't necessarily that he was not, you know, putting the ball in the right place. He was playing smart. Yeah. So instead of taking sacks and having negative plays, we're throwing the ball away. Yes, that hurts his completion percentage, but now we're at second and 10 or second yeah. and five after getting that gain on first or wherever it was. So it changes the game when you're not at second and 17 and you're behind the chain. So I think that's playing a huge role. He, I think he's being smart with it when he's scrambling. I haven't seen him yet, you know, move out of the pocket and try to do too much, but for the most part, it's been pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, we also had our first chance to catch up with Taylor since he's uh, taken over as a starting quarterback of the Boise State football team. This happened in Reno right around midnight. It was cold, but of course, we weren't going to miss our opportunity to catch up with Taylor for the very first time. Taylor, how much have you enjoyed the last month and, and over the last five weeks or so? What have you learned that it takes to be a, a successful quarterback at, at Boise State? Yes, sir. Um, I love the opportunity that the coaches um, gave me and just uh, the opportunity. And I'm just blessed, and the team just opened me with open arms. And I just learned that each day you just got to take it play by play and just game by game. And each day you just have to go 100% and just even even since San Diego State, just learn every single play, what to do and what not to do. It's been crazy. I mean, but it's been really fun. I mean, it's football. It's a game. And we I've, just, I've been playing this my whole life. And it's just, you just got to love it. I mean. That's why that's why I came here to win a Mountain West championship. But it's not it's not because of me. It's because of our team, and just the coaches just making everything just just simple and just communication. And that's what that's what I love. And of course, I got to give uh, the credit to the line, uh, K. Connie, O.J. They're really making things easy for me and just communicating communication at the line. Um, that's what that's what we're doing. Shane, I played college baseball down in Texas for a year. And, and one thing I immediately notice is that everything down there is basically yes, sir, no, sir. Mm -hmm. And, and Taylor's first two words out of his mouth, um, yes, sir. Uh, I, I found that, I, just, I don't know if I had a flashback to my time in Texas. You can identify with that. But I'm excited to, to get to know this guy a little bit better mm -hmm. because his, his, if, he, if his interviews go anything like his play on the field, he's going to be fun. Um, he's going to be engaging and, and confident. And, and that's more than anything I'm seeing right now out of this guy when he plays football is like when, when he gets the ball in his hands, mm -hmm. it's no, like you go back to San Diego State, and I don't think he was like thinking like how do I not screw this up, but I think that his, his, his thought process was like, Okay, let's let's make sure we yeah. do the right thing. Sure. But now all of a sudden he's kind of going into almost like this little bit of a kill mode. Like he, he's definitely gaining confidence. And the next few games up to four are gonna be exciting. But oh man, give this kid an offseason and, and bring back some of these receivers. Like this could be the beginning of something pretty cool. Like you said, it's the confidence and the repetition. If I do something over a hundred times, every hundred I'm gonna get better and better. Yeah. He's starting to see things and they're doing, Cutter's doing a great job of keeping it simple and running the same plays. You know, they're working. So Taylor's seeing the same things over and over and over. And so now he knows, okay, well, I have a little bit more time. You know, if this route, this route came open later, so maybe if I can, you know, hold on to the ball a little bit longer and, you know, extend the play, 
that guy's gonna come open. Like just seeing things like that, mm -hmm. it's you can see it every week. It's getting better. I think even his deep ball, they're getting better. I mean, when yep. he first, I mean, everyone. I got tons of text messages his first start. This kid can't throw. He's got to work on it and all this. But as you can see, it's football is a game of X's and O's, and when you can run the ball, it's easier to throw the ball. And you're starting to see that. And the repetitions, you can see him kind of moving in the right direction. In, in terms of his ability on the field, I remember everybody trying to say like. Colin Kaepernick, oh, but he can't throw. Like, he, did, he doesn't throw like Cap did. I remember thinking, I'm like, okay, as a, as a, as a freshman in college, Colin Kaepernick only completed about 52% of his passes. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm almost of the mind like, man, I don't know if Colin could throw like Talon could because <laughs> Talon's up over 60%. Yep. He's proven that he can throw the deep ball. He's got that long, link, linky athleticism and can beat you on the edges. He, he runs like when it's necessary, never when it's like a bad decision. And I, the thing for me is, like, I know you want to see him run and take advantage of his legs, but I don't want him to do it if it's going to put him in harm's way or if it forces something. And I feel like he never forces something when, when it comes to, 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 to uh, pulling the ball and run and, and running. And you look at the Nevada game. He ran the ball twice. Once was around the left side. He picked up a first down. The second time he pulled it, got out the back door to the right side and, and ran for a touchdown because nobody wanted to contain him. And then guess what? Yeah. Nevada didn't make that mistake again the rest of the rest of the game, right? <laughs> yep. So I think you're 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 leaning exactly what what the fans I see on Twitter all the time. They're like, why are we not running the ball more at Taylor? But it's interesting to see this. No, I'm saying I'm, I want to say chill out on that take. It's that's it's, my. Yeah, I'm saying chill out. It's interesting to see it because you had Hank, who was really aggressive when it came to you know not sliding, not going down, uh -huh. kind of hanging in the pocket and he wasn't as athletic. Then you have the guy who's probably the most athletic guy on the team as far as size and speed, mm -hmm. and he is as cautious as they are when it comes to running. Like, he won't run if, unless he has to. Mm -hmm. And I think as a quarterback in college, typically you see the opposite. When you're that athletic, you just take off. Right. And he's being really smart, and I got to credit Cutter for this because I think he has something to do with it. Just keeping it simple for him, mm -hmm. and letting him know if you don't like it, it's okay to throw the ball away. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, if you're in doubt, give it you have great backs yep. so those are some of the things he can lean on right now and so those guys around him are making it a lot easier for him. yeah well to to as far as what dirk said this week about talon um when we were talking with him dirk said that talon is has progressed at a at a really incredible rate and it's actually even exceeded dirk's expectations and dirk's like i have high expectations so that right there goes to show you how, how well um Talon has played and, and continues to progress and develop. Think they're high enough to get uh, Dirk to come back? <laughs> Dirk? No, uh, yeah. He's, man, he continues to make it well known. He is not coming back next year to coach. I, I wonder if there's some number out there that at least makes him go, huh. I, I just don't think there is. This has been a tale of two offenses, though, and I just wanted to break this down so that we could, we could get numbers here. Uh, prior to... Um, September 30th, this is when the first game after the change. Change Prior to September 30th, this Boise State offense was averaging 22 points per game. They were averaging 283 yards of offense per game. Mm -hmm. I mean, you almost had that yourself in some of the some <coughs> games in college. And they were averaging 4.5 yards per play per game. Since then, they're averaging 35.3 points per game, so almost two more touchdowns per game. They're averaging 433 yards of offense per game. And they're averaging 6.4 yards per play, per game. That that I don't. That is a massive midseason swing, yeah. and 
you can't deny that what they did was a necessary move for this team and this program. And I know that Andy Avalos at the time said, hey, th this is difficult, but I feel like I'm doing what's in the best interest of this Boise State football program. And the, the numbers say right there that, that the head honcho over at Boise State made a tough call, but a necessary call to save, again, maybe not just not this, the, this team this season, but bo the, the, the tradition and history of Boise, State football's, uh, of Boise State football. I mean, they love to talk about how they haven't had a losing season in, yeah. in over two decades, you know? Yeah, it was at risk for sure. And it was at risk, but, but because of this decision, it's not at risk anymore. It's just tough the way everything happened, you know? I mean, we let go of offense coordinator, but we didn't let go of our quarterback. Mm -hmm. He decided to leave. Mm -hmm. If he stays, does, does, all the, does that drastic change that you just said, does that happen? I don't know if it does. <laughs> I, I agree, I don't know if it does, but I, I, wanna, I wanna say this. Um, at that point in time in the season, Andy was very adamant. And this is when Hank was still a part of the team. He said that they have the guys. Mm -hmm. They have to do a better job of getting the guys in better positions. And if, if we talked about the wide receivers on September 29th, before this turnover, we would have said, man, group's kind of been disappointing. They, they lack some explosiveness, explosiveness. I mean, you know, this Latrell Capels guy, he seems like he's all right. But you, you didn't feel like super confident about that group. And now we fast forward six weeks and you're like, man, Steph Cobbs is coming back. That'll help this offense. You're like, man, Latrell Capels looks like the real deal. Billy Bones making some big plays downfield. Yep. Who's this Eric McAllister guy? That's like, where, where's he been? It's a freshman. And, and so now all of a sudden you're like, this group looks pretty good. And so I just go back to when Andy was saying that, and I kind of asked yeah, coach speak, I don't know. But six weeks, man, it, it's made a big-time difference in the outlook of that receiver room. Mm -hmm. So maybe if there was a guy that stayed and didn't decide to leave, maybe he could have found, like, this type of success. Yeah. I don't know. I will say this, though. If we want to talk about receivers, that, that is a room that, like, I feel really good about right now yep. and the future of that room. Yeah, they all come. You get all of them back. You know, everybody can see what Taylor is kind of turning into. I know this offseason, uh, obviously, Taylor's biggest uh, development side of things will be the pass game. Yeah. So they'll be able to just focus on that because, I mean, you can't coach speed. And, you, I mean, that guy has that. Well, and, and tell me this, Shane. Um, I think this is a reason why it will be so beneficial to have an offseason with these guys. Talon is really good at, at extending plays. Mm -hmm. So it, when you go off script, like how important is that connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver? It's huge. You have some teams actually in the NFL who most of their passing yards and stuff come from scramble drill. Yeah, Let's you, look at the old Kansas City Chiefs. Right, with Tyreek like, Hill. Yep. They're... A lot of their plays and stuff that they do, they aren't designed stuff. Like, yeah, they have the trick plays mm -hmm. and the stuff, the quick game. But if it's not quick game and Patrick Mahomes not getting the ball out in two seconds, it's him extending the play and those guys work in scramble drill. You can tell those guys practice on scramble drill every day at practice, finding space, getting open, because they know obviously they have someone who can put it anywhere. Yep. But whether it's being moving with the quarterback or staying in a zone, those guys are being really, are really good at that. And I know that's going to be a focus for this team next year, mm -hmm. telling them, like, hey, if you run your route and then now it's over, the play's not over. Mm -hmm. Keep moving, finding space, because this guy can move out of the pocket 
and we obviously know he can monster the ball. Yeah, and, and I think with Taylor, we've seen too, he, he can either get out and, and go to his, his throwing side, mm-hmm. or he loves to do this like little jab step, spin out the, it, you know, the, to the left side and mm-hmm. throw across his body. So that, that's an area where they can certainly grow and develop. Um, I brought up Eric McAllister because, again, this is a guy that even some of the most intense Boise State football fans for the last couple of weeks have probably been grabbing their rosters and be like, who is 80? This guy's awesome. Why haven't we been throwing him the ball? You look at his effectiveness on these on these 50-50 balls. Well, he's, he's batting above 500 on him right now. On throws of 20 or more yards downfield, Eric McAllister has a team-high four catches. He's only been targeted seven times on, on throws 20 or, or more yards downfield. And you want to look at uh, who's second on that list? Both Billy Bowens and Steph Cobbs are second on that list. Each have three catches um, of 20 or more yards downfield. Each of those guys have 14 targets on 20 or more yards downfield. So you look at the, the efficiency of Eric McAllister, this is something this offense is sorely needed. Yep, it's the deep threat that we've been looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Bolt was your deep threat coming to the year. He broke his leg on the first game of the season. So now we kind of realize that we don't have anyone stretch the field. And then we had another young guy step up, I want to believe 83. He's, he kind of, kind of yes. tried to take on that role. Cole, Cole Wright had a big catch at New Mexico. Yep. He's been, he's uh, been kickoff return. He's on kickoff returns. Mm-hmm. He's been a little banged up. I know he didn't play last week, um, but yeah, yeah he's that, trying that's to step guy. into that role. Yep. And then now you have a freshman who is doing more than what he's expected mm-hmm. out of him for sure. And I think that you know, as Dirk Cutter told us this week, it's just a matter of Eric finding his consistency. He's only a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about the pieces, pieces of this offense. Ashton Genty, true freshman. Eric McAllister, redshirt freshman. Uh, Taylor Green, redshirt freshman. I mean, there are there are some exciting pieces pieces of this offense, and um, we're going to see how it goes from here. But gosh, the, the ceiling is is sky high. I want to jump over to defense before we go back to offense and talk about George Halani because um, that's just going to be a, a little bit of a different conversation with George Halani. When, when it comes to this Boy State defense, I feel like they're pretty predictable. Um, when they play a tough team, you know, it, it's going to require a lot from them to have a good night. But when they play a team that they're supposed to go out and beat, that said team is going to have a tough time moving the ball or scoring it all against this Boise State defense. Nevada only had three points um, in that entire game, a season low allowed by Boise State this season. And I got to say, I feel bad for that Bronco defense because it probably should have been a shutout. There was a play, a series of plays near the end of the first half where Boise State was down, about to score a touchdown. They end up kicking a field goal or trying to. Botch snap. Nevada gets the ball back. They drive down. They kick a field goal just before halftime. That, that's what it took for Nevada to get on the scoreboard um, against Boise State. So, again, against a light competition, boy, this Boise State defense is, has been downright dominant. I don't think anybody can argue that. Totally agree. It's, it's why it's exactly just like uh, I know we didn't get to you know talk about it much last week, mm-hmm. but you get the BYU game where you have an opponent who you know is always going to be tough. Yep, they had to we had to respond. It took a lot of big plays to obviously to beat us, mm-hmm. but that that I feel like the defense didn't play bad. I just feel like some of those teams we've been playing have not been that athletic. Right, and I'm glad you brought this up because we were off last week and we won't spend a ton of time on BYU, but. I feel like it's worth discussing for a couple of reasons. Puka Nakua in that game was unbelievable. I mean, you look at the touchdown catch he made at the end of the game. I don't know if there's anything Caleb Biggers could have done to prevent that catch from being, from happening. That was just a – it is like hitting a Randy Johnson slider 450 feet. You, you don't say, hey, Randy, what happened to your slider? You look at the batter and you say, man, yeah. good job, dude. Like, mm-hmm. 
That's not supposed to happen. And, uh, and on that specific play, the way that it played out, he's, he's got no room on the sideline, and somehow he still is able to, you know, torque his body and still make a, a grab. I mean, that, that's just one where it's a hell of a play. Yeah, it's just sometimes they don't fall the right way. Right. I think uh, moving forward, though, I think when we play against a team who can, who's really good, whether it be bowl game or, you know, Mount West Championship mm -hmm. game, I think the defense is going to respond a lot differently. And I think the offense, too. I think yep. we, our offense has the ability to carry the defense when the defense, you know, is not, you know, I agree. at, at the capacity Man, I, AGR. I desperately wanted to talk to you about that drive, that last drive against BYU, because I still feel like if that situation presents itself again, Boise State's going to be better, and I think they're going to be better because Taylor Green is their quarterback. And um, it was supposed to be a very simple completion, a, a 146 to go in the game, supposed to be a very simple completion to your tight end, gain five yards, and just, and just start the offense, right? Yep. There's a drop pass, and you're like, oh, no, that's not good. And then the second play, kind of come back and save it with a nice little screenplay to Latrell holding. Oh, dang it. Okay, so now we're in a really bad spot. Yep. What I'm, my point here, though, is everything on that drive was completely self-inflicted. Yeah. And if Boise State gets into that situation again, I even think that one little experience is just going to make them breathe for a second, you know, mm -hmm. and not worry about the pressure or anything like that. Yeah. And just realize, hey, this, even in this situation or scenario, this is just about doing your job one play mm -hmm. at a time. And they were trying, it, it felt like they were just, almost just, just too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. I think where we are with this team, I think no matter if it comes down with a minute left, we, are, we're, we can be down or up. Mm -hmm. If we're down and the offense has the ball, I feel like we feel good that they can go score. Yep. If we're up and we have to stop a team, I feel like we I feel like they have a decent it. chance. I, I would say another thing about BYU, which I think will be different from any other team that Boise State plays this year, their screen game was super effective. Boise State didn't tackle awesome. But... The, the vertical presence in their offense, those guys throw the ball down the field a ton. And when they dropped a couple of those second-half screens in against Boise State, I mean, DBs were 30 yards downfield. I mean, there's just a lot of space mm -hmm. to figure out how to somehow get, behind, get a dude that's running behind three 300-pounders, <laughs> yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. and that's just a, a lot of space to figure that out. That's true. Uh, I think the screen game was the smartest play that they could have did mm -hmm. because we have a defense – who is great at stopping the run. Yep. So, you know, they're really aggressive. So getting those guys to get upfield and then just getting right behind them. Mm -hmm. Now you got your secondary who's already have a, they have guys down the field that they're guarding. So it, yeah, it makes it tough. I yep. think that's the best response to a team that is really good. In their and, own game. and maybe like a Fresno State with Jake Hayner, like maybe these threats will come up again because you worry about Jake Hayner throwing the ball 50 yards downfield yep. on you. But <clears throat> the reason why I like going into Nevada, going into Wyoming, Utah State, I'm not really worried about that because I, I just don't think that either, any of those teams have the personnel that would mm -hmm. push Boise State's defense to the limits like, like BYU's personnel did. But just know, those screens are coming for sure. Eventually, but at some point in time. For the rest of the season, yeah. everyone is going to dial in on their screen yeah. game because that's how this team has lost. <clears throat> so, Boise State, again, against conference opponents, allowing 193.5 yards per game. If we're just looking at conference games, the number two team on that list is Michigan allowing 250 yards per game. I mean, that's, again, against a light competition, man. All right, uh, we'll, we'll move into this final topic here, talking about George Helani. Um, he's got an important decision to make after this year, Shane. Uh -huh. what, what are your thoughts on him either going to the NFL 
or coming back to college as just somebody that's been in the locker room with, with dudes that have had to make this decision? I think his decision is going to come down to two things. To stay and go, I think to stay, it's going to be to up his draft stock, mm -hmm. along with him seeing what we have in that locker room and what will be returning. Um, I think what will cause him to go would be the load, you know, the, the hits and everything he's mm -hmm. already taken, the injuries he's already had. So he's not, it's not like he could go in, you know, come back another year and say, you know, I've always been healthy and, you know, I'm really durable. He already has the question mark of that, of the durability. So that plays a huge role in the decision. But he might see it as, I've had the durability problem, so I want to come back another year and show that I can be. Right. So it's, it's going to be a tough decision. And I know those guys in the locker room, you know, some of those young guys are going to want him coming back. And I feel like the older guys probably want him to come back too. But as a fan now, I'm going to say, Ooh. It's tough. I'm, I'm, I'm right with him. I think he goes because of the durability factor, and I think he stays because he sees what's, what's still here in the locker room. You look at what he's done this year, 52 missed tackles, forth, missed tackles forced, tied for 17th most in the FBS. He's averaging 6.3 yards per carry, um, 12th best amongst that same group of, of athletes. Uh, Boyce has never lost when he's rushed for 100 yards. Perfect, 12-0. and 0. You want to talk about the, the key to victory. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, over the last uh, few weeks, since this coaching change, since the quarterback change, George Helani has a uh, rushing grade of 89.7 per pro football focus. That's seventh best amongst the 52 FBS players with 90 or more carries. I mean, th this guy mm -hmm. is absolutely elite. And I'll say this. You want to talk about... Talon's green effectiveness to the to the run game and even the offensive line for whatever reason first four games of the year George Helani averaged 2.9 yards per carry between the tackles since then he is averaging 8.4 yards per carry between the tackles ladies and gentlemen it's 10 yards until you get a first down mm -hmm. and on and on the first carry George's taking care of 85% of that, 84% of those yards, right? Like, and even with insane. that, we, even with that, we come out throwing the ball down the field. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it, it's, he's remarkable. And you bring up the, the usage. Right now, uh, he's, he has 700, or 573 career touches. He's on pace for about 80 more this season. That means that he would finish with right around 655 career touches after this season. For perspective, Jeremy McNichols had 702 touches in his career, left for the NFL early. Alexander Madison had about 650 touches in his career, left for the NFL early. Like When it comes to usage, Helania is at about that mark. And if you're saying, well, I, I don't know if his production adds up to those guys. Well, he just passed Ms. Matt Miller on, on the all-purpose yards list at Boise State. A little over 3,200, 18th most in Boise State history. Next up on that list. Alexander Madison, 3,417 yards. He probably catches Alexander before the end of the year. I agree. But I will say this. This is the factor that we have not factored in to Ooh. George Helani's decision. Mm -hmm. He's never played, and I don't think any of those other backs have either, with a guy that was just as good as him behind him to alleviate some of those <clears throat> carries. You're so and right. That, and some of, that, some of those hits he'll have to take. So I think that also helps to say if I come back next mm -hmm. year and I split carries but I'm still just as successful and productive, well, I took half the hits because I had another back that yep. could come and spill me, and I showed that I could play the whole season. I, I'm just saying, man, that, that's the best-case scenario for 
a lot of people involved. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if, what, what eventually happens. And again, you know, I asked George Helani this after the game. He was super noncommittal. He's super focused on right now, and I expect nothing less. Um, this isn't to spark controversy of what he's going to do or about his decision or sway him one way or the other, but it, it, it's, it's a compliment to show, like, he is absolutely in this discussion of whether he wants to go or stay, and he, he's been incredible. Really quick, Shane, Wyoming up this week. Cowboys picked to finish fifth in the Mountain Division preseason. Mm -hmm. uh, they're currently they're 5-1 and one in league play. Their only loss is to San Jose State on the other side of the, of, of the Mountain West. What do you make of the Cowboys, and, and what makes playing them so difficult, especially in Laramie, especially in the middle of November? Uh, well, obviously the weather, but we just showed that, you know, weather doesn't necessarily stop mm -hmm. what we think it would our past game. I think the biggest secret weapon they have is their coach. They have a great coach. They do. Craig Bull's done an awesome job there. Yeah. I think he does a great job with the culture that he, he brought in. Uh, obviously, he was successful before he got there. Mm -hmm. uh, he's did a great job. I mean, he's had guys like Josh Allen come through there. So Nobody gave Josh Allen a chance. It's, it's Craig not, Bull wanted to give Josh Allen a chance. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yep. Uh, I think this, might, this could turn into a dogfight. You know, I'm hoping it doesn't. I totally prefer the 41-3 to three games. <laughs> but uh, this... This coach, he will come in with some some tricks up his sleeve for sure. All right, so do you have a prediction? I know Boise State favored favored by 12 when this a lot when this line uh, you know initially opened up, and something yeah something says I got I got to respect Wyoming a little bit more than that. I feel like this is a 10 point game for whatever reason. I think like a a 27-17, a 30 to 20 type of score is. You have the over under? 44, I think it was somewhere in that range. So they're not expecting Wyoming to score a lot of points. Boise State, uh, you know, when it comes to their their explosive um, their explosiveness on offense, you know, with Dirk Cutter calling plays, they're averaging like 14 and a half plays of 10 or more yards per game. But Wyoming will limit that. Like, if Boise State executes at that level, it's going to be a fantastic offensive night for the Broncos. I've, every week since they've taken over, here we go. I've been under. On my points that I give Boise State, they always score more than I think they Well, that's because for the first four weeks, we were always over. <laughs> this is true. So I, I adjusted, and last week, the over-under was 41, and I took the over, and it went over yeah. by three. Yeah. So I'm going 38. Okay. To 14. 38-14. 38-14. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Put that in, uh, put that in ink. Um, Shane, it's been fun, as always. Uh, I missed you last week, my friend, but I'm glad you can make it over here. I know you got a busy life. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know, I know our, our listeners and viewers do as well. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Jay Sports Bar. For Shane Williams-Rhodes, I'm Jay Tust. Enjoy the Wyoming game, everyone.